guest today is Lebanese, teaches Arabic, has a PhD, and is a founder of Globetrot with Arabic. Shariq, thank you very much for taking the time out to have this conversation. Just to start off with, I just wanted to give you an opportunity, really, to introduce yourself and just give us a background about who you are and your story. I'm Shariq. Most most of my friends still can't pronounce my name. So I'm Shariq. I live in London. I am Lebanese, but I also have Armenian roots. I've been here for almost eight, nine years. I came initially to study and then different doors started opening. And here I am working as a teacher online and teaching my language to people from all over the world, basically. Okay. Quick thing, you know, you gave us a background. You talked about you being Armenian and then with the Lebanese. Um, so in terms of the differences between the two, um, just explain, is there similarity or very uh, major differences between the two cultures or they're very similar? Um, okay, let's talk about the culture. Of course, now because there has been a long Armenian presence in Lebanon, more than 100 years, and actually even more than that. Mm. Uh, but the main presence has been for about 105 years and a bit more. So, of course, now the cultures have a lot of similarities because they live in the same region. Uh, but uh, linguistically speaking, the languages are very, very different. The alphabet uh, is very different as well. So Arabic is a Semitic language, whereas Armenian is an Indo-European language. And the letters look completely different. Some of the sounds are completely different. So, no, the languages are not the same. But cultures now are very similar. It depends also on... Uh, where Armenians are. If they are in Lebanon, they take the culture of Lebanon. If they are in the States, maybe they take the culture of the States or depending on where they go to, mm-hmm. they merge. You see what I mean? Okay. And then uh, from uh, Lebanon, you then moved to the UK. How did you find that transition from... Um, initially, it was very easy. I'm, I was a very open person and... Uh, I'm open to adventures, but I think the more time goes by, the more difficult I find it instead of easy because I long for my culture. I miss my culture. And when I say culture, I mean Lebanon because, of course, I'm Lebanese. So I miss my home, my my people, my friends, my family. And I find the cultures very different here and back home. Very, very different. And when you say different, I mean, like, for, for me, um, what is the things that you say, okay, if you're to point out the things that you do miss and you say, I, I, yeah. like, what would be your top five things that yeah. you think? Of course, we can't generalize, first of all, because, you know, in the UK, especially in London, like, yeah. it's you have everything. You would be yeah. on a table... Yeah. With ten people, each one would ha- would come from a different background. Yeah. But what? But generally speaking, there is much more warmth uh, in my country where I come from. Like uh, we even have a saying that goes like, "Neighbors are uh, for each other," and even before family. Which yeah. means, for example, if I'm uh, if I'm walking in the streets and one of the neighbors is sitting on the balcony. The first initial reaction would be, oh, come over, you're welcome. Even if you don't know people, they will just greet you and say, oh, come on in or join us. Or there's a lot of warmth, especially because I come from a village in Lebanon. And oh, it's, okay. it's much more 
uh, it's much more warmer than a city and the yeah. neighborhood all of us are like a big family basically mm. and we grew up together and we're still very close to each other these are the things i miss and mainly the generosity back home mm. the Lebanese culture is very very generous and giving and mm. i miss that you know uh, when you say you miss are you surrounded by family uh, here or you know all your family and, uh, uh, all my family is in lebanon no so you're the only one here? Yes. Wow, okay. When you came to the UK, you continue with your studies. I understand you also have a PhD. Do you want to give us a background or how that all started? Did you came here? I understand you came here with intentions to study, but, you know, why those subjects? Uh, to be honest, I, it was just a coincidence. It's not like I was very passionate about the subject that I was doing. I was thinking about a way to travel abroad and uh, and uh, have an independent life and continue. And the only way to do that was through continuing my education. Yeah. So I started applying here and there, and then I was uh, I I received like the the acceptance from Birkbeck University of London to continue an MA in uh, intercultural communication. So I did that. And then later on, um, there is the Gulbenkian Foundation. This is an Armenian foundation that um, that helps all the people around the world uh, from different nationalities who have Armenian roots, mm. who have an Armenian background. They help them with their with their tuition fees and they fund all their studies uh, provided mm. they choose a topic that is related to anything that has to do with Western Armenian or Armenian. So in my case, I chose the Western Armenian language, which is the yeah. endangered language. Yeah. Uh, and I uh, pursued a PhD in language discourse and communication. And I studied the situation of the Armenian language, specifically the Western Armenian language. Mm. and how it's changing and it's basically it's an endangered language and I was looking into how people speak it, uh, how different groups of speaker, uh, people speak it and how do they connect with it and like uh, the, the, the sense of belonging that they have to it basically. So mm. this is how it all started. So I think it was more of a coincidence. I'm not going to be dishonest and say, oh, I was very passionate about the topic. I wasn't. Then with time, I started to to like it. There was ups and downs. There are times I really, really didn't like doing a PhD at all. Like I, mm. I felt, oh my God, I wish I can just finish with this and that's it. I don't want to look at it anymore. But towards the end, uh, I started enjoying it towards the end. There's a couple of things in there. When you're, you're doing a PhD and, and for anyone who's interested in doing a PhD, is that what was the bit that you didn't enjoy? Was it the subject? And then also, what, what flips for you to say, um, I'm not enjoying now, I'm enjoying? Is it external factors or with the factors within the subject? Okay, are you saying you did enjoy or you didn't enjoy? Yeah, because at the beginning you said that you, you weren't enjoying it. Towards the yes. end, you said you did enjoy it. Yes, because so what, when you start feeling that, okay, it's all becoming, uh, it's all like, it's like pieces of, uh, pieces of a puzzle coming together. It's making sense. Uh, so okay, you start okay. enjoying it and you start feeling that, okay, you're, you're actually not as bad as you think you are because you always have self-doubts when you're, when you're doing something or especially when it's something uh, challenging like a phd and personally i'm not the kind of person who was 
uh, I don't know. Uh, I'm not an academic person in, yeah. in, in, in my character. So yeah. that's why I wasn't enjoying it. Like comparing myself to other people who were doing this, they would breathe and eat and do everything yeah. their PhD. Myself, yeah. I was more, you know, I was more into dance and music. And these are the things that I really love. Yeah. And being a PhD for me was a, was a huge struggle, but I did it. And if I do it, awesome. I think anyone can do it. It's a, fun, a fantastic achievement, and it's also interesting in that when you look about about it, the, the, the things that were that interest you uh, were at external, but through that you also found a way to find enjoyment at the end uh, at the end of it because things start to make a lot more sense, and a lot of things that sounds like the things that weren't were making it uh, what you weren't enjoying. And correct me if I'm wrong, were things about you know, how you saw yourself more. Is that is that right? Yes, and the, the thing is that maybe I didn't, I wasn't enjoying the PhD itself, but I was enjoying everything else that it was giving me. For example, my yeah. life in London, uh, the people I met, the, the kinds of dances that I discovered, for example. And um, yeah, so a lot, uh, a lot of things on, on the side. And then from there, you, you transitioned from doing a PhD and then you started teaching. So how did that transition happen for you? Was it, again, by accident or was it more something that you had thought about and, and planned as well? No, it's, it was also like uh, not a plan, but not yeah. an accident. Like yeah. a, maybe another. And sometimes, you know, you just an idea comes to you and you say, oh, why, do I, why don't I do this? And then you start and it works, you know, oh, okay. So yeah. it wasn't really like a transition. I can't say it was a transition because, you know, it's still in languages. I still work with languages and everything that I studied had to do with languages as well. So mm. they are kind of connected. They are actually very, very connected. Mm. But um, the way I started to teach Arabic, my language, is because when I came to the UK, I thought, what can I do? What can I work? I can't teach English because I don't think my English was that great to teach in the UK because obviously people here speak much better than me. So I thought, OK, I can start teaching Arabic. And I started applying here and there, sending my CV randomly to different universities until one day I got an email from the University of Westminster saying, we're interested in interviewing you. And uh, I was traveling the next day and I told them I can't come and I will be away for two months. Can I come now? <laughs> and like, yes, if you want, you can come. And I went I, and I wasn't looking very decent for an interview. Yeah. But I think actually they appreciated the fact that I said, OK, I can come now, even if I can't make it next week, you know. <laughs> and it was a very, very nice conversation with a very nice lady who retired on the same year. And from there, uh, you know, things started flowing. I then started, you know, when you have on your CV that you teach Arabic uh, in, a, in a reputable university, then other doors start opening very easily. So I, I started getting uh, emails from people without me even applying for jobs sometimes. Mm -hmm. Maybe them seeing my CV somewhere, maybe on LinkedIn or something. Um, and then I started teaching in the foreign office. I worked almost mm. five years there with diplomats mm. uh, who were who are posted to Arabic countries, mm. and I teach them the Arabic language basically. And now I do it on my own. 
Uh, that was the connection, isn't it? So yeah. to move on to uh, how you started Globe um, uh, Globetrot with Arabic, yeah. is that the name? Is that the name of the the company? Have I got yeah, right? Globetrot with Arabic, and I was very intentional with the name. Yeah. What gave you the? I, I, you know, it made it made it was like obvious step uh, from where you are. I mean, it kind of makes it, it does make sense. But what gave you the name the the name and the idea to to start going off and teaching by by yourself? Mm-hmm. The idea was to be uh, in charge of my life and my time because I I don't want to spend my life working for others or I I'm not a nine to five person and maybe I might be a twenty four hour working person sometimes I'm I'm exaggerating but sometimes I work much more than nine ten hours uh, in thirteen fourteen hours but at least it's my own time I'm doing something for myself and it's a it's a work that is mine and I have my freedom. And the reason why I called it Globetrot with Arabic is because I didn't want to be bound with time and I didn't want to be bound with space. So mm. just like Globetrotters, you know, you can go explore the world mm. uh, and at the same time you can be working or you can be studying a language. So mm. it's both for me and the people who want to and the people who want to learn a language even when they're enjoying life or, hey. you know, there are a couple of things there that resonate with a lot of people. One of them is the personal need for space, freedom, uh, independence. And the other one is the ability to travel, which is also a sign of independence as well, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, a sign of independence, traveling, maybe. Or, or freedom. Yeah. Yes, it can be a sign of freedom, yes. And knowing, like discovering things as well. Yeah. You know. exactly. Exactly. I, I mean, when I say independence, I, I'm, I'm more thinking around those people that you that you meet that I've met in the past who are traveling the world to learn about uh, different different cultures, uh, different languages, and it's you know you see them with their just their rucksack meeting new people, and it's that kind of free. You get the, the sense that they they're seeking that freedom, that adventure, and and is that is that is, that 100%. And it's something like we aspire to, because yeah. even if I uh, even if I call my my little baby globetrot with Arabic, I'm still yeah. not the kind of person who travels a lot, who I don't know explores so much. I travel normal, yeah. just like any other like normal person basically. But I'm I'm still not the kind of person who saw a lot in this life or a lot of countries in this in this world. You know, there's so many things that I still haven't seen. And, and, then, and it, go on. Yeah, and I would like to see. That's it. Uh, okay, that is the end goal. In future videos, we're going to see more of you around the world. If that, if, if I mean, if, if is that the plan? If the opportunity allows, and if uh, there's so many elements, you should be financially stable. You should mm. have the time. You should have the opportunities. You know, uh, if all of this allows, maybe why not? You know, but uh, there are other things that I have to work on and other priorities before I start, you know, taking bigger steps that I still can't take at this stage. So give us an insight on what you've envisioned with the classes, the Arabic classes and where you want to get to, or what's the big idea uh, for oh you? Oh my God, like in, the, in what sense? In a, on the per, in a, on the yeah, what does, what, what, what does good look like to you? Um, I think my uh, okay my my uh, my standards that I want to achieve are are quite I I don't want to say like high but like they're a bit uh, more than 
a normal, like a regular, like common people want to achieve. You see what I mean? I want to achieve a stage where, okay, on a personal level or in terms of work, there are so many things we can talk okay, about. Okay, let's layer this. Let's talk about the personal level, uh, which, in, which, which, which which influence your work, yeah. Yeah, that's that. Okay, so basically, uh, in terms of work, just work as globetrot with Arabic, I want to reach a phase where uh, I can uh, teach uh, just passively and start making an income without have to without having to trade a lot of my time for mm. for an income because that's what I mean by freedom freedom of time because I. Okay. My dream is to achieve a stage where I uh, I have the stability, uh, but I but at the same time I have the time because uh, a lot of time have a lot of people have the stability and a very good income, but their their life is so difficult because they have to devote so much time to work. Mm. So though I love my work really, I love what I do, mm. but I don't want to spend all of my life doing just that you know i want to be uh, i want to i want to buy time as much as i can okay mm. this is in terms of work so that's why i'm at the moment working on courses where i can uh, put online and people don't ha i don't have to be there directly uh, to teach uh, people but indirectly so these courses will be me teaching like videos and audios and uh, books and all of that i'm working on them at the moment so it's a way to for me to make a, a passive income mm -hmm. uh, and on a personal level when i say good i mean uh, it's also related to work at the moment i relate everything to work to create a better life you know mm -hmm. so i say a better life is a life comfortable enough when it comes to finances, comfortable enough to make me, my family, and when I say my family, every person in my family, my siblings, my parents, mm. and and some of my loved ones, even if they are not from my family, I want to make all of these comfortable. Like, mm. as, if I, as if I'm someone who has more than one family and I am the uh, caretaker of these families. Mm -hmm. I love them. So that's what something I would like to achieve and give everyone around me a comfortable life. So this is something I would like to achieve. This is something achievable. That also is something that resonates with a lot of people. And that you started the conversation of, at the beginning mentioning that they were high. You had these high standards. But when I listen to them, you know, that you talk about what sounds to me like having a balance in life, not necessarily dedicating yourself to your work, but being able to do other things outside work. You talk about supporting for your family and caring for your family. Again, those are things that resonate certainly with me and I'm sure with, with other people. Yes. Um, and <laughs> there are other things that I think about, but these are really, um, these are like just dreams and sometimes even like... Not even achievable at the moment, so I I prefer not to talk about this for now. Okay, no, that's that's fine. Could you give us an insight into the journey of actually uh, developing uh, Globetrot with Arabic and what sort of lessons have you learned? So if I'm sitting there next to you and I'm trying to do something similar or something not even similar, but something from my from myself in terms of developing content what thoughts things would you say you've learned things that you can share and say you know these are these are good lessons that you, you should consider 
Okay. Um, first of all, I'm still learning a lot, you know, because I'm in the beginning and I am nowhere near uh, someone who has achieved something important. You see what I mean? I, like it's, it's important to stay humble as well because I'm still in the beginning, you know. But I can tell you that uh, the, the, the most thing that I can tell anyone who wants to do this is that it takes time and sometimes it takes much more time than you can ever imagine because uh, especially if you're doing everything on your own and you don't have the ability to hire someone to work with you you will have to be doing everything on your own and it takes so much time uh, the things that i learned every day i learn something new in terms of how to do the marketing in terms of uh, how to design the the, the content in, te in terms of what to include in the content uh, how to edit a video how to like everything from from a to z you mm. know uh, so yeah it's some if you have to be if, with, if, yes. in terms of like so you know I agree with you and this is one of the reasons I wanted to have this conversation with you because it was not a case of you know because so, so much you see is that people always show you the end result look what I, I have achieved but no one explains the actual journey and it's that journey that I think is critical especially for those people looking if I'm looking in someone like me I'm interested in looking in and things and really understanding what is the mechanism that gets you to point X and the fact that you are you know, if you're looking at this as a, as a 400 meter race, you're the 300 meter line, I'm on the 400 meter line. You're, you're, you've been through that through that journey already. And it's understanding what you've encountered uh, that's to, to get you to that point. So when, when you say about the, you know, having to learn, I guess that's something that is very important with anything that you do is that you never stop learning if you want to get better what you do is, is that what you're suggesting or is it more more to that in terms of your message uh, actually when it comes to learning like uh, you will you will automatically learn a lot when you do when you create a business you know when people mm. sometimes you see these quotes here and there like learn something new do something new but this is part of your life when you start a company or a business you eat and breathe something new every single day you know so that's that's a result of something it's it's uh, it's gonna happen so but i don't know if you want to be specific about creating a business online mm -hmm. some of the things that i can give you in a, in a tangible way okay mm -hmm. Say you, you you are someone who wants to create a youtube channel and create videos on youtube Firstly, you have to know it takes a lot of time. Second, uh, you have to be very, very consistent in what you do. For example, you can't uh, create a video this week and then, okay, you know what? I'll leave it and I'm going to put a video in four weeks or, or, or even, I don't know, two months or three weeks or two weeks. No, you have to be consistent. You have to at least upload a video every every week once, at least. And if you can, two to three times a week, that would be ideal as a start. There were times I was trying to upload one video every day, and this was pushing uh, my channel forward, but, but really with very, very, very slow speed. You know, mm. imagine with doing all of that, uh, it's still slow. So if you're not persistent, if you don't have consistency of of uh, of uh, putting some work out there 
at least two to three times a week, then uh, it, it's it's going to be very difficult to, to, to build something. That rate of output is that how do you manage to find the content? Because, I mean, language is a very wide subject. I guess there's a lot of material there. But what, why do you find the, the content that inspires you? And, and does it inspire you? I'm kind of asking questions suggesting that you are inspired by it. But Yeah. So the thing is that initially I, I was... Uh, start, I was teaching mainly the standard Arabic language, which is, which is the language that is written in magazines, journals, newspapers, books. It's a very, it's the for, uh, we can say it's the formal Arabic language. But the problem with this that it's only written and read. It's not spoken. So, mm. for example, if I if I try to speak that language to any normal person in the street, they would laugh in my face. It's like you're trying yeah. to speak Shakespeare's language in London. You know, yeah. it's so unnatural. Yeah. So I was teaching that, but at the same time, I was teaching my own dialect, which is the language, you know, when you want to talk to the people's hearts and emotions, you speak the language they speak. So that's that's what I was doing at the same time together. So uh, one day I would upload a modern standard Arabic video, and another day I would upload a Lebanese Arabic video. But with time, I realized that People actually are are liking my Lebanese videos much more, and there is a there is a gap in the in the market of this because yes, there is a lot of people who are teaching the standard language, but very very few who are teaching the dialect. So I started doing this. From there, I started creating content that is related to, really to things we do on a daily basis. I would, for example, be sometimes in the summer, for example, there was a time I was at the beach. So I would just grab my camera and just start vlogging and saying things like, uh, okay, this is a boat, this is a beach, this is this. this. So like really the simple things that people like to learn. I would go to the fruit market and say, okay, today we will learn the names of fruits and I would start, you know. So it's just basically uh, content that, you know, you, you use every day in your life, basically. Yeah. So, so sometimes when I'm doing something, I make a note of it. I say, oh, okay, this is nice to teach to my students. Or maybe I say a sentence to my sister on the phone. I say, oh, you know what? I'm going to teach this today to my students. And this is how I find my content for, based on natural events. And that's a demonstration of the learning as well that you referred to earlier on, because when you were speaking there, you kind of suggested that you're teaching two types of dialect, correct me if I'm wrong, but then you realize quite quickly is what people are enjoying is Lebanese day-to-day -day way yes, of speaking. That's the dialect, but the standard language is not a dialect. It's the common mm. language of all Arabic countries. Mm. It's just the common language that we use formally to learn at school or to use in books and, and magazines and newspapers, but it's not the spoken. No Arabic country speaks it, basically. As you said before, it's like speaking Shakespearean language. It would be interesting, actually, to hear those differences. And I urge anyone to go and watch some of your YouTube videos, especially you did a YouTube in, in, video with, is it Big Juice or someone? I, I can't remember. the. the, the... Yeah, my, yeah, my friend who has yeah. the podcast. Yeah. And, you, and you cover this in great detail about the differences in the uh, dialects and stuff. Um, it was really an interesting conversation that you were having with them. Uh, uh, so in, in terms of uh, lessons, uh, what would you say, like, now that you 
gone through, you're going through the process on a daily basis, you're learning new things and you're utilizing your, your knowledge to grow the site. What would you say was the biggest challenges? I think you probably touched on them, but if you were to give some real things that stick out for you as the big challenges. The big challenge is two things. One, sometimes you forget yourself and you have no more time for yourself. And this is ironic because you create a work because you want to be in charge of your time and you want your freedom, but then you end up forgetting yourself and really giving all your time to this, which is amazing, but sometimes you shouldn't forget yourself and you should be a little bit more organized to to find time to do what you love, maybe exercise, maybe I don't know, play music or whatever you like to do. See, this is something I still struggle with until today. Sometimes I get so absorbed in what I'm doing, I forget myself. This is one of the difficulties. Another difficulty is that I am doing this and only this, which means there are months I really struggle a lot financially. I, uh, there are months I did zero. There are months really uh, uh, I had no income at all. So it's like uh, it, it gives you some fear. Am I doing the right thing? Uh, is, is this going to work? Is this not going to work? But somehow, like uh, recently, I decided to really kind of trust life and let let it go and let things happen if it happens yes somehow some i believe that no matter what you do somehow things will work if you're working on them from your heart and you're trying your best maybe not this one works maybe something else would work will work but if you're really putting an effort somewhere somehow i don't know things just start flowing at some point i believe in this yeah one of the biggest things here and i'm thinking when you're speaking is around how people manage risks and take take and and make that big leap are you suggesting that just give it try it and work at it and somehow if you have the maybe the word passion is not the right word but if you have the conviction in what you're doing then somehow things will work is that what you're suggesting just take that leap Yes, and maybe it's, I don't know if it's a leap, but like a lot of people who are very, very, very successful people that, you know, when you listen to them, they say, maybe you have to have a part-time job on the side and then uh, work on whatever you want. Uh, I was doing this initially, but then I had to leave my job because of things I wasn't happy with. Ideally, I should have stayed and uh, continued, but I'm the kind of person who, when I'm not happy with something, I just walk away. And that was a big risk, actually. You know, mm. I don't suggest and I don't recommend <laughs> doing that. Yeah, I don't recommend doing that, but I did it and uh, it's okay. Like uh, it, it was very tough, but it's starting to get better, you know. And uh, I think people take risks according to their background and how comfortable they were, you know. Mm. Uh, maybe, like, I am very, very lucky to come from a family that gave me a lot of a sense of security, you know, mm. that uh, uh, security in every way, you know, I'm not even talking about financial security, about everything. So that's why maybe for me, um, before, I'm not talking about now because it's not the same anymore, but before it, growing up, I was never afraid of taking risks. I was very courageous, maybe because in the back of my head, I had this thought that if anything goes wrong, you know, I can go back to people who love me and support me. You know, I, but not everyone is lucky enough to have people who love them and support them. So that's why sometimes we have to be like uh, working in a smart way where we 
maybe have a backup plan for sure and then start taking risks you know if there was a takeaway recommendation that would be it you're not suggesting that people do what you've done leave the job and then uh, start something you're suggesting maybe the balance of having something in place and then starting something on the other side is a much maybe and yeah. i'm not really suggesting anything i'm suggesting okay. that everyone can just assess their own situation gotcha. and take a step ac according to what they feel is right for them you know mm -hmm. um, i did this uh, and it was a risk and I said maybe because I had that background. Even when I took the risk now last year, it was I didn't have a support or nothing. But I think it's just me uh, having this inside my system that everything will be okay because I grew up like that. I see, yeah. I guess in many of the things, uh, the thing that I take away from what you're just saying is that there's no actually right answer. It's just you've got to make the decision for yourself and then see how it works out for you. Because like you said, you're, you know, if someone was to explain to you, um, leave your job and start a business and these are the challenges, you might look at that and go, no, that's not for me. But others might look and say, you know what, I'll give it a go. So I guess the thing is to, for people to work out that for themselves. 100%. But I also like to, to say to anyone that I love mm. that if you if you like your life and you like your freedom and you feel you, you have the ability to do something alone without having to be bound to, to another company or even like people call some people bosses or ma my manager mm. or something like that, mm. you know. No, like, no, I, I always tell them, do something alone if you can, even if it's difficult, because on the long run, it's, it's much better for you, you know. There's yeah. something that comes across quite strongly, even when I was spoken to you before, the, I, the idea behind having your freedom, having your independence. And when you talk about not having a boss or calling someone a boss, it kind of lends itself to that. Why is that so strong? in everything you say just just touch upon that it's just to understand that there, there is a motivation yeah. for how you approach things i'm not 100 percent sure why it's strong in me i have always been like this ever since i was a kid i love my freedom and like i do everything for my freedom you know mm -hmm. and um like we spoke maybe this had the impact of my family uh, on me for example i come from a family that is amazing uh, and but sometimes in some aspects it, my parents were a little bit overprotective but mm. with intention of love always with the intention of love you know mm. and maybe this triggered this in me because I have always been the kind of person who's you know I, I, ca I can't settle for what the life is about or what the system we live in is about. I just couldn't. And I do believe that I'm not the only one who's like that. I believe that everyone has, not everyone, a lot of, a lot, a lot of, a lot of people have this in them. Yeah. But they just settle with the idea that such is life. No, such is not life. You have much more in you than you can ever imagine. And that's what I like people to to see in themselves and I would I wish we could reach a world where most of it is like that you know yeah when I spoke to you about it it's one of the things that resonate with me the idea of what do you uh, regard as freedom and how do you perceive uh, your own freedom your own personal freedom and one of the things I didn't recognize is that 
maybe I take it for granted, so I don't have the same consideration towards it as, as others may do, which is also something that I would like to reflect on, not that I need to, I would like to reflect on a little bit more, is that need of making sure that in, in what you feel is you have freedom to do whatever you need to do is making sure that uh, you actually take, um, take advantage of the opportunities that that gives you rather than sitting back and taking it for granted that you're always going to have that freedom to you. And for other people, that freedom is so important. You know, it, 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 you know, it's not just a case of just saying, okay, I'm happy with what I've got. It's making the best of what you, you have. Yeah. And you know what? Like, uh, we're always calling it freedom or something, but it's maybe not even about freedom. It's just being normal in life. Where we like, you know, making the most of these moments of life that really yeah. are you know, are going away, you know. And for me, this is the most important. For some other people, maybe stability is more important because freedom has its price as well, you know. Uh, If you have, a lot of times you might have stability, but you don't have the freedom. And a lot of times you have the freedom, but you don't have the stability. And your life is a bit risky. You have sometimes anxieties about how things will work. But ideally, maybe we can all reach a stage where we are, we have both stability Uh and freedom you know, peace of mind and yeah, and just live life uh, in a way that's not, you're not doing something you don't want. You know, if you're waking up every morning and you're miserable and you're going to work, it's really like you're wasting, what, eight hours, nine hours of your day. That's like a a bit less than 50%. Okay, take away sleep. That would be more than 50% of your life, you know. Mm -hmm. Imagine like you're throwing, if you live until you're, let's say, 100 if you're if you're if I'm being generous, mm-hmm. that's fifty years of your life wasted, wasted, you know, and that's what yeah. I mean by freedom, not there, to waste the life there's there's different perspectives. There's the perspective of the traditional life, you know, you, you know what I say traditional, but there's that thing where you know you go to study, you get the job, uh, you go to study, you get a job, uh, you you buy your property, you start a family, however that you know, however you mix that up. And for some people, that's comfort. That's, you know, you got, you, you got your family, you got your home, you got a roof over your head. That, that's it. You end up paying your mortgage. And quite people are comfortable with that. But someone else looking at that might say, you know what, um, in that, throughout that, you have a boss, uh, you work for someone else, and, you know, they might get rid of you. So the question is, in that structure, are you really free? underlining that and there are the others that say okay I might not have a boss but I have my own um, business or products or things that I'm selling and I might not be making myself a a huge amount of income but I still feel that everything I do I own I own the business I own the product and I own the the outcomes and successes are based on me and for some people that might make them happy that's that's the big distinction that I'm getting in terms of what you're saying yes but I do believe that more people tend to be happy with the second option, mm. but maybe uh, it's they a... don't know that they can do it, or they never had the courage to step up to exactly. it. Exactly. That's the other thing when I was talking about risk, is because the second option is very scary, because it, it comes with a, it, it can be very scary. It comes with 
a lot of unknowns. There's not a lot of uh, certainty, you know, especially when you've got on the backdrop, when you've got commitments, uh, uh, you know, just like everybody else, rent, mortgage, uh, family, kids, that, that can be very uh, uh, fearful for people. So and it's always... It's, and it's the always... self-doubt as well. The self-doubt is the biggest factor. And exactly. the lack of belief in yourself that you can actually do it. Some people, it doesn't even cross their heads that they're much more than they can, you know? Yeah, and I guess that's the thing is that what you're suggesting is, and you said it yourself, is that the belief in your own self, because I, I, I'm wondering whether having that belief in yourself is the thing that allows you to manage that risk that comes with the uncertainty of having Maybe that. not, yes and no, because because it doesn't mean everyone who takes risks believes in themselves. Of course not, there are hundreds oh. of days that I don't believe in myself, and then there are other days I believe in myself. You know, we're humans, we have our ups and downs, and there are areas we feel very strong in them, and we have the confidence, and there are other areas we don't have the confidence in them. Yeah. And I'm talking specifically about the where you have the belief in the sense you have the competence. It's having that feel that feel that, you know, what I'm doing is right and I am capable of of doing it in the right way. So once you have that, does that take away then you look at the risk. Does that then allow you, gives you the strength and courage to go, I understand the risks, but because of the conviction I have in myself, I'm able to overcome whatever challenges they will, they will, they'll be faced with. That's uh, what I'm saying. In my saying. case, it wasn't like that. In my yeah. case, it was just taking the risk without even believing that I can do it. But I, oh, okay. I really wanted to do That's it. That's real brave. You know? That and is real brave. I started doubting myself. But only recently I started realizing, actually, okay, I think it's starting to work, you know, bit by bit, you know? Mm. Yeah. That's, really, that's really interesting because ultimately you kind of throw yourself in the deep end <laughs> and you, you you find a way of, of or you're finding a way of swimming through and it's that's where you're would you say now you're developing your confidence now a, a little bit yes sometimes yeah. and some as, as i say it we are humans mm. sometimes it comes sometimes it goes you know and but of course when you start seeing results you start believing that okay things are working you start having uh, the confidence but of course there are other days we will lose it it's just normal it's human nature mm. and some areas you have a lot of confidence and others you don't you know and it's okay not to have confidence people are always scared about like uh, having low self-esteem or ha not being confident enough about doing something it's okay you know it's okay also to have uh, insecurities and accept them like of course i have a lot of doubts self-doubts and insecurities and i'm very okay with them and i openly state them you know that mm. these are you know and they will come and go but um, <laughs> I, I must. I must admit, you open my eyes to something. It's difficult for uh, for me because of my mindset to get my head around. It's almost like saying that, okay, if you were to look at your who you are as a person, you can say I have strengths, I have weaknesses, but actually, uh, it, whatever I'm challenged with, I'm just going to give it a go, and then through that, I'm just going to work it out. Right. Yes. As opposed to saying, I have strength, I have my weaknesses. I can see that based on my strengths, whatever I'm being challenged with, uh, 
I can overcome scenario A. Scenario B, actually, I have strength, I have weaknesses. Looking at my weaknesses, that challenge that I'm looking at is too big and walking away from it. It's almost like, let's go for it and see what happens. And which is quite interesting, very exciting, but also uh, steep with a lot of uh, risks as well, pitfalls. Yes. But that's what makes life exciting. And that's what you're referring to about your freedom is that, you know, just go for it. Yeah, but that's why I mentioned I was lucky. You know, maybe I was one of the lucky people. As I mentioned before, it's all about your background and how you grow up and what are your main fears, you know. I was lucky enough to grow up in a background where I had a back, you know, my parents, especially my dad, you know, he was mm -hmm. always my back, my backbone. And he still is, of course, he, uh, now it's my turn to give back to the, those people at least a little bit of, some of the things that they gave me, you know, because now it's now things change. Life is not as easy as before, mm. you know, and uh, people who always supported me, they can't support me anymore. Now I want to support them. But I was lucky, as I said, because that growing up with that mindset made me at least less scared in these areas. Understood. You know? uh, yeah. So in terms of if someone come to you for advice and recommendation, what recommendations do you give them to just in terms of starting uh starting what it depends on what they are starting oh, instead of uh, developing like uh similar to what you're doing in terms of a youtube channel or looking at you know an idea they want to develop from scratch what would yes. be your suggestion okay putting the youtube channel to the side if somebody mm -hmm. comes and says to me for example i this is one of my favorite games to play actually uh, yeah. with my friends so yeah. Um, if somebody wants, let's say, to start something and they don't have the idea, mm. uh, what I used to do, and until today I love doing this, every day mm. I look around, okay, sometimes I would be sitting on the bus thinking of new ideas. Some of them would be like a surreal, like do you use the word surreal? Like not yeah. from this life, really like a, like a fairy tale or something. But I always try to think, okay, what's missing here? Okay, uh, what can we do to change this? Or like always ask myself questions about, I want to come up with an idea. And if you sleep every day with a notebook or on your phone, whatever, you write three ideas, I want to create this, I want to create this or this, that you activate your brain uh, to, the, to the thought that uh, you want to create something. And then you start having more and more and more ideas until one day you have that one idea that... Uh, that can really, really change everything and you can go for it. So this is in general for people who want to start something and they don't know what to start with, you know, if they want to develop an idea. But if you have an idea and you want to work on it, as I mentioned, it depends on what is it. Of course, you have to be consistent. You have to, you have to try everything that you can, but ideally without forgetting yourself. Like you can't expect things to work when you're not working on them. You know, mm. and I don't know, you have to keep trying and trying until one day life starts giving you back, you know. It's almost like the universe opens up uh, the possibilities when you keep those ideas or, or keep questioning yourself is what is the idea. And, and yeah. And for example, in my case, I didn't create the most amazing idea in the world. It's just a simple idea. But I was thinking to myself, I want to create something on my own. 
there are so many dreams and so many ideas that I have. I can't achieve. I don't have the competence or the the, the qualific whatever the word is like. I don't have the ability to do them because it's not my area. Okay. Mm. So I thought, okay, what do I know how to do? Okay, mm -hmm. I need to teach. Okay, let's take teaching. Okay, what can I do with teaching? I can do this, this, and that. So basically, I started with something that I know how to do. Mm -hmm. Not because, oh my God, it's the best idea. No, because it's the only thing that I know how to do at the moment. Not the only thing, but the the be best thing that I know how to do is teaching. So that's mm -hmm. why I started using teaching. In the future, when there's something I know how to do better than teaching, of course, I might jump to it and do it, you know. Yeah. Start what you have, basically. Say that again? So basically, you can start with what you have and grow what you have. Start with your, your skills. Yeah. Whatever skill you have, use it and grow it and work on it so much. It's yeah. organic that way, isn't it? It's an organic growth from what you've described is what you have and then developing that. Yes. Now. The, the other thing is that when you were looking into this, did you have any books or sources that you went to? Because you said you've had to learn a lot of things by yourself. Was there any uh, reference guides that you had? For example, I used to be a person who reads more, but I used to read like more self-help books and things like that. Not really business books. Yeah. But you know what? With YouTube out there, oh my God, every day I just, whatever question I have in my head, I go there, I type it, I watch, I watch a lot of TED Talks, how to create a business, how to uh, overcome fears when you are creating a business, what not to do when you're creating a business, like so many things. I watch TED Talks almost every day. On days that I'm feeling demotivated, I just go there and uh, listen to something motivational on TED Talk as well, you know. And differently, in my case, for example, there is a channel called Think Media, okay? These are... This is a channel that helps YouTubers grow their channels. I'm always listening to them and they helped me a lot. Of course, every day I have a new idea and I try to uh, apply the, the strategies of YouTube, the marketing strategies, how to create a thumbnail, how long your video should be. For example, uh, recently YouTube likes your video to be long because uh, they can make more money out of it because uh, more people watch your videos. So there's so many tricks that you can use to grow as a YouTuber. And I use these people to, to grow my channel. And as a YouTuber, I learned a lot. Like if you're a YouTuber, the tricks that you have to do is uh, be consistent with your uploads, uh, create an attractive thumbnail because people mainly look at your thumbnail before they look at your content. And once they are in your video, your content should be appealing to them. Uh, sometimes you have to do short videos. Sometimes you have to do longer videos. The keywords you have to use as a description to the videos, your title, every single detail, your hashtags, you know, mm. all of these are important details you have to think about when you're creating a YouTube channel. Oh, that's very useful to know. As well, uh, like it has to be coherent. You can't open a YouTube channel and have hundreds of thumbnails and things that are not coherent. When you open a YouTube channel, your eyes have to see something beautiful. Like everything is the identity of the channel, the colors, everything should be similar and attractive, you know, in the same way. So that, for example, when people are scrolling down a YouTube, uh, like if, if they search for something, Nowadays, if you, set, for example, write learn Arabic or learn Lebanese Arabic, if you're scrolling down, you will notice that you will immediately know, spot the difference between 
my thumbnail and others because it's the same. It's something that has yellow with some a little bit of red. So if people can immediately associate these colors to to a certain channel. No, I understood. Yeah, it's so brand recognition. You're, I think yeah. you're referring to. Yeah. In terms of yourself, how do you keep yourself motivated as well? It's like because it sounds like you did it. Like you're saying, there's times where you know you, you're not taking time for yourself, uh, personal time, because you're working constantly, working quite a few hours, a lot of hours, not few hours, a lot of hours on this. How do you keep yourself motivated? How do I keep myself motivated? <laughs> I really don't know where it comes from, to be honest, especially lately with the, with all of the um, crazy events and the, like so many struggles I've been through. I sometimes really, sometimes, uh, can I give a little bit of credit to myself here? Like I yeah. ask myself, of course you can. how do I manage to like, there are times I, I think to myself, Really, I, I should be proud of what I'm doing because really I managed to overcome so many things. I don't even know where it's coming from. The drive in me, maybe, the the, the hope or the dream of, of achieving, uh, you know, your dreams and better days, hopefully, with all, when all of this finishes. Uh, the images of like, the, of seeing, I don't know my loved ones happy together these are the things that are motivating me like like the the future the future thoughts that keep me going and on a daily basis i promised myself that i'm going to go back to this what really motivates me is when i dance when i play the piano so i have been ignoring these but every time i sit back and I sit at my piano I'm teaching myself I'm still a baby pianist yeah mm -hmm. so when I sit there I start thinking okay this is what I love this is what keeps me going you know and this this is why I'm doing all of that okay. so I'm I promised myself that I'm going to start doing this today not tomorrow today awesome uh, good luck with the piano stuff because piano is not easy is you taking on another big task as well there it sounds like Yes, but it's doable. If you like it, it's doable. I have a keyboard, not a piano. So uh, the, the other thing I wanted to ask you about was uh, how do people get in contact with you, uh, you know, attend your classes, social media and stuff? Is there things that uh, you can share in terms of your social media, your, 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 your websites and stuff like that? Yeah, so I'm still working on my website, but I do have it. It's www.globetrotwitharabic.com. It's still under construction. And I actually just got a message from the uh, from the person I'm working with pushing me, come on, you, you have to send me the, the things so that we can finish the website. Mm. Um, so that's one thing. And mainly I have my Instagram channel, which is Again, Globetrot with Arabic, my Facebook page, Globetrot with Arabic, and my email address, which is my name, Shari, at globetrotwitharabic.com. I am always available to answer any questions there. Shari at globetrotwitharabic.com. Or drop me a message on Instagram. That's how people get, get in touch with me. Okay, yeah. fantastic. Um, uh, Shari, um, <laughs> I, I did I say it there, Shari? Almost. It was better than before. Initially, you said cha chari. Now, you, at least you're saying cha chari, which is fine. Which is a good, like fifty percent of the way. <laughs> oh, okay. I'm I'm getting there. I'm getting there. Uh, <laughs> um, 
just um, one, one, one fascinating thing that I find about uh, language was that there's certain words in every language that um, to me um, makes it alive for me, makes it memorable. Some of, some of the fan words that I find, like for example, if uh, in, in, I think it's um, Polish, if you say it's not, my it's not my circus, it's not my monkey, it means it's not, it's not your problem. Um, mm -hmm. In German, if you say, I believe my pig's whistling, you say that when something's unbelievable. Is there something similar in Arabic that oh you can God, share? A lot. What can yeah. I say? Um, like a fun one that I can, I can take away, because I like collecting these, these words as well. Okay, there is one that came to my head mm. that I, also, I already put it on my YouTube channel. It's, um, you know, when you're sitting with people and they are talking about a topic that you really don't understand about and like maybe they are so much into it and you, you're you not getting any words yeah. or maybe they're speaking another language and you don't understand the language. Yeah. We say, uh, what does this mean? It's like yeah. you are like a deaf person yeah. in a zaffi. A zaffi is, a, you know, the dance troupe that's very loud and noisy that comes to your wedding they are the ones who open the party basically there's mm -hmm. a dance troupe with like a, with lots of the musical instruments and uh, you know like they are very loud with clapping and yeah. the drums and all of that yeah so they open a wedding and then the bride and groom follow right mm -hmm. so that's very noisy so if you are a deaf in this uh, in this party you wouldn't hear any of the noise going on in this uh, in this party okay uh, so basically if you are sitting with people and you're not understanding any of the things that they are saying you say you are like a death in a in a wedding dance which oh, means you're not understanding anything. in a wedding dance okay I'll put that down <laughs> on my list yeah <laughs> Which means um, I can't have anything. Say that in Arabic. Say, I repeat that in Arabic. Mittel, which means like or just like. Mittel. Il atrash. Atrash means death. Atrash. And il atrash, the il at the beginning means the. So when you say mittel, il atrash, it means yeah. like the death. Mittel atrash, you pronounce it with a liaison. Bil zaffi. And zaffi is this wedding dance troupe. Bil zaffi in the dance troupe. So the whole thing together, Mate say it. Mittel atrash bil zaffi. Pronounced as bil zaffi. Say it. Mittel atrash bil zaffi. Yeah. Oh, awesome. Uh, <laughs> I think, no, but this is actually really good because I guess, I guess it also gives people insight in, into your teaching style because if I can pronounce something almost, <laughs> then it just shows how easy I find your classes to follow online. Um, so for anyone who's interested, please go uh, check out the YouTube channel and, and, and stuff. A couple of things I missed. One of them is that you speak Arabic, English, and French. Is there any other languages? Yes, and Armenian, because as Armenian, I, speak, yes, I also yes. have Armenian roots. So at home with my mom and dad, we speak Armenian. Mm -hmm. uh, and I also speak, I can't say I speak Italian. Let me say half, half Italian. Because Where I can do you learn the Italian from? On my own, because... Ten years ago, I was meant to go to Italy and study music there in the conserva Conservatorio di Firenze. I wanted to study singing, 
but it didn't work because of my paperwork and all of that. So I was studying Italian on my own. Yeah. And I manage, I can speak like very slowly. And if they speak slowly, I can understand. But if they go, you know how Italians go, da, 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 I don't understand anything. But if they speak slowly, I can manage to understand and speak back, you know? Oh, uh, well, well, hold on, hold on. Uh, there's, there's a lot of time packed. I'm not going to try and do that now. You can sing? Uh, yes, I can sing. Mate, you know, I sing better than I dance. I never told no, you. Well, oh, no, 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 you didn't. You never, you never ever. <laughs> oh, do you but have I, anything online? Anything that we can reference? One can... of my biggest fears, you know, I feel very, very, very shy when I sing. So I try not to. But one day I will. Like one day this is something I'm oh, going oh, to. Like. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. You sing better than you dance. You must be a very good singer. <laughs> where, where, where is the... We have to see the it's, evidence. It's, it's hidden. It's I feel very, very shy and something secure about it. So the challenge is you have a secret YouTube channel somewhere with you singing. Is that what, what you're saying? <laughs> <laughs> That's not like a secret thing. That's something I'm thinking about doing with my sister because my sister also sings very, very well. She can sing opera. And we used to sing together a lot. And Opera. I think, yes, she's really, really good. Oh my God, her voice when she goes like, yeah. like really, really like. I'm not going to pretend I'm an expert, but I know that there are different styles in opera. What style is, is your singing uh, and your sister? Okay, I'm not even uh, very good at the names, but there is soprano. Soprano is when you're... Soprano, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there's mezzo-soprano. Mezzo-soprano is like up, uh, not a little bit, not the low one, but like uh, the upper end. That's, I mm. think, I, I think my voice is more like mezzo-soprano. Yes. Okay, so, and you're going to tell us how to find your last song or rendition of something. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, me alone. So, um, oh, that's but, that's really cool. I have no idea that you also sang. But like, it's funny. I if somebody tells me to sing, like even if it's family or friends, okay, yalla Sharik, sing. Mm. I just I feel like I'm frozen or something. But if there's a lot of people, I've done it before. Like I don't know, singing like at university or you know in a karaoke or something. Like when there's a lot of people. I kind of forget myself and I do it, but when mm -hmm. it's just really very personal, it takes a lot of time for me to open up, only when it comes to singing, although I am very open in other things, but when it comes to singing, I feel very shy or very, I don't know, what's the word? It takes time for me to start letting go and sing. If you're ever in a situation and you've got some material to share, please do share. I'm really yeah. curious about <laughs> To hear, to hear the sounds. Is there anything else? I feel like I have to ask this question because there might be something else that, out there that you, you know you like to you like to say or share. Well, um, I don't know. It, nothing is coming to my head now. But if you have any questions, just ask and I'll answer. I think for me, I, I want to say thank you very much for your time. I really appreciate this. I think while I was trying to do and I hope that we manage to achieve that is get an idea of someone who has pursued this quest for our freedom and in doing so she's managed to create content out there for other people to share in terms of their Arabic language and it's that journey that I found really interesting and, and fascinating and I believe that I'm, I will learn quite a bit from that as well and especially about you know risk taking and, and the approach to risk taking because 
as, as I was mentioning before, I got the impression that, you know, there are different approaches and it's always nice to have an idea that, you know, you can try something and see if it works for you. And if it doesn't, you know, it's not the end of the world. So I appreciate that. Yeah. Appreciate that. Well, thank you for finding something interesting.